This podcast is sponsored by Veracast. Veracast is reimagining how credit unions connect with members. Veracast pushes the boundaries of data and insight into marketing solutions that create meaningful connections how, when, and where it matters. It's part of Veracast's ongoing commitment to helping credit unions do the vital work of providing financial empowerment and support to the members and communities they serve. Learn more about how Veracast celebrates and supports credit unions as they inspire hope, bring people together, and turn dreams into reality. Visit Veracast.com. From the Credit Union National Association, this is the CUNA News Podcast. Credit Union people. Credit Union ideas. In an age of fast-growing technology and ever-changing consumer trends, it's more important than ever to collect and keep track of member data to best serve their needs and help drive your credit union further. Hi, I'm Yi Kang Yang, Digital Media Design Specialist here at CUNA. And on this episode of the CUNA News Podcast, I have a conversation with Lisa Nicholas, Vice President of Strategy for Financial Services at Veracast. In our conversation, we go over a variety of topics including all the different digital marketing tools and technologies you can utilize, different ways to collect member data, and what to do with that data to better market and serve your credit union members. We hope you enjoy this conversation on digital marketing. Hi, Lisa. Uh, thank you for coming on to the Kino News podcast with us today. Why don't we start by um, letting the audience know who you are, a little bit of background, and uh, what you do at Veracast. Awesome. Yeah, Lisa Nicholas, and I am VP of Strategy here for Financial Services at Veracast, and I spend my days helping clients strategize and look at the market, essentially. Great. Uh, so let's just get right into it. How has digital marketing evolved over the years and uh, how will it change in the future? I did some just looking at, uh, we have a couple of tools, as you can imagine, in Pathmatics, and we've come a very long way since the first display ad in 1994, right? Um, when I was looking at some of the numbers from 2011 to 2022, you look at MarTech, what used to be the MarTech 5,000, now the 10,000, right? They, from 2011 to now, over 6,500% growth. That's tremendous growth in the number of companies out there that we have to navigate and sift through, right? When we think about that, uh, we saw from 2020 to 2022, 24% growth in companies serving the MarTech space. A lot has changed, right, in the last decade, even the last few years. And the need for marketers to operate with extreme flexibility and agility has never been more important. I also looked at social and display spend for, like, holistically for the banking category over multiple products, right, all of banking products. And desktop display back in 2019 in the FI space topped. 125 million in December 2020. What's interesting about this is we had display. Well, Facebook, right, starts to outpace display in March 2021. And it continues to outpace all display channels, YouTube, Instagram, Twitter today. Instagram is seeing 66% increase in spend since June 2020, right, near that pandemic. 
to June 2022. So there's a lot going on in the space. And I think the bottom line is digital spend shifts constantly. Uh, we really need to know what others are doing from a macro perspective, how they're spending. Where's the white space? What's competition doing? Yeah, that's such a huge growth in so many aspects. And that makes you wonder what's driving this evolution and what's driving all this growth. Yeah, I, you know, <laughs> when you look at the numbers, I think the pandemic really did change everything. I know we hear that it might even be overused, but I really do feel like from a consumer engagement, even myself, right, and how I consume digitally, there's a survey done, 63% of consumers are using digital technologies more now, and this makes sense, right, than they did prior to the pandemic. So I think at least recently that's driving a lot of financial institutions specifically, um, and the rapid change, so the consumer behavior, and then the appreciation for digital. So what we need to do as marketers really is invest more and not spend less, right? Have quicker response and be more relevant to our customers and members in this case. So what digital marketing tools uh, slash technologies excite you the most and why? I think there are a few, actually, and I think the obvious is just analytics, so we know what's happening with all of our advertising. So whether that's Google or you bring it into a tool like Tableau, like whatever you're using to track campaigns, and what I've seen you know, with clients and even uh, when I was doing this as a CMO and a CDO is the near-time or real-time ability to track those results will help you shift quickly, right? And with digital, you can shift quickly, right? So being able to track and really know both online and offline behavior is really, really important. So I think that's one tool. I think we often forget, sometimes I forget even, how powerful Google Trends can be just as we're looking at consumer behavior and what they're searching on. It's free and it's powerful. So I love that about it. I think the other couple that I love is uh, SEM Rush is one, Brightage is another. They really help understand organic online market share, what pages are, are winning in the market share, right? Specific pages. You can get a lot of ideas from, from being able to research and understand what other players are doing and even how you compare to those other players. So I think that's those two tools are a few that I like. And from a graphics perspective and how my content is doing, I think CellCheck, which evaluates creative and its effectiveness to improve the buyer experience is another one I really love. So those would be a few. Yeah, I find it amazing how these days, how much the, the technology has evolved in terms of gathering data from your customers, and it's just that much easy now. So what can credit union marketers achieve with these tools slash technologies that you uh, listed? And can you list a few examples? Yeah, I, you know, I think that let's just take a tool like Bright Edge, right? Its ability to help you understand online market share and the tool allows you to dig in, right? And that's where the hidden gems are, I found, is really being able to see, you know, what pages and who. And sometimes I was shocked how many times like aggregators, right, were 
topping the market for market share. It makes sense, right? But which aggregators am I going to spend my dollar with, my marketing dollar with? And what are the hidden gems on some of these other competitor pages? Like, why are people going there? Um, sometimes that's because it's their brand, but a lot of times they have some pretty nifty tools and product recommenders or calculators that are very different than you, you sometimes see. And that's just people innovating, right? And keeping up with innovation. That's very interesting to me, just just because from my perspective, you always want to look at what how you're doing, but that's an interesting perspective on, you know, I also want to look into what your competitors are doing well, well too. Uh, so where do marketers tend to stumble when it comes to digital marketing? Yeah, I think uh, just a few common areas I see with clients is just deciding which channels are most effective, right? And finding the white space in competitive markets is one area. I think a lot of times can credit unions, <laughs> sometimes they don't have the time, right? It's a bandwidth issue. So that's a place where they struggle, having the time with every, keeping the business running while also trying to look to the future, right? So that's a struggle. Um, allocation of budget. How do I get the most out of my marketing spend? And how do I track that online, offline behavior so that I can prove what we're doing and get more budget to help the organization move whatever strategic initiative they're trying to move forward? Yeah, I, I can imagine that the budget part is is really difficult because we just had a, another podcast on on cybersecurity and he was saying you should spend a lot of money on that too. So I'm sure it's it's really a hard thing to juggle between uh, what to spend your money on as a company. Yeah, I was just going to say on, on the whole budget, right, you get pulled in so many directions. It's compliance. It's, you have to do this for regulatory and even just keeping up with the space. If you're in a very competitive market, the amount of money it takes, you have to be smarter about how you're targeting and how you're going to market. Yeah, I totally agree. So cookies are off the menu. Uh, what does that mean for credit union marketers? We still have first party cookies, right? So think really turning to zero and first party data. You should have a strategy around that. We have, credit unions have more data than uh, really we know what to do with, right? It's being really strategic with that data. So I think that would be my number one. Uh, Google isn't going to stop tracking people entirely, right? <laughs> Just, I guess, call it lucky or unlucky. I love it uh, when the suggestions are. Uh, relevant to me, right? So being relevant will be critical. You know, Google is probably um, some of the things I'm reading, moving to co cohorts and uh, really identifying large groups of people with common interests, right? So I think the other thing is, you know, this is kind of a theme I'm seeing is old is new again. And having an innovative mindset and asking, you know, are we too reliant sometimes on technology? Should we have a broader strategy, uh, not just digital, right? Just like we would balance our portfolio personally or have life balance, right? Looking at all the channels, uh, we're seeing a comeback for direct mail might be one example, right? But really looking holistically at your whole strategy and understanding uh, what each channels and how it's doing for you, where to place your spend. Yeah, I totally get that, you know, diversifying your strategies is um, uh, very important. So why is relevance key to a successful digital marketing strategy? It's about brand and being relevant. It's easier for people to build a connection and really that trust with your brand when you can be relevant. 
they'll come back for more content. They'll browse your website more frequently and they'll just engage more. So relevance is, I, I feel, always been critical. It's been a mission I've had for many years is, how, you know, how do we stay ahead and relevant and, and give the consumer what they expect. Yeah, I totally agree. It's it's so important to stay relevant because if you're not relevant and then you're just not relevant. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. So so it's like it's like the thing to you know, to be relevant. Yeah. So customer data platforms. Uh, let's talk about that. What do credit union marketers need to know? You know, CRM, CDP, DMP. I mean, there's so many acronyms over the years, right? That we we've, we've gone through. So you know, customer data platforms. CDPs, they're just all about data aggregation, right? And so giving you that single view of the customer. I feel like we've always talked about this, right? Like for years, decades now. So it goes back to data, right? Can, even if you have a CDP, if you don't, if you have dirty data or not the right data, that's a problem no matter what tool you have. So I think what you need to know is there's no magic bullet, right? You have to understand what data is going into it. Is it the right data? You don't need all data. Is it clean data? From there, you know, whatever tool you choose will help you build better, more relevant marketing strategies. And what types of personalization and marketing messages should credit union marketers do? Yeah, I think are you personalizing every email, right? Even at the most basic level. I think doing an assessment at least annually, right? On all the journeys that you've deployed or what would you like to deploy? How sophisticated is are those journeys? Is there you know, something that you can do to help increase the engagement? So are you taking those journeys and looking at what the visitors doing or the person engaging with the responder in that email and then changing the journey based on that engagement, right? There's some really great tools out that, that you can plug in and really help you with a more personalized and engaging journey that takes them down different paths. Asking yourself, you know, are you even looking at abandoned applications, right? What are you doing about that? I think there's some quick wins that we often forget about. Um, that we can deploy pretty easily. Credit unions, you, you know your your members better than anyone. A lot of verticals would love to have the data that we have. So we have a lot of great zero and first party data. But do you know, you know, are you using, say, the transactional data that comes in? Do you know that they're have an auto loan elsewhere or mortgage elsewhere? And what are you doing to capture or recapture them? So just, I know, Going back to basics would be, I guess, the point here. Yeah, I, I think the personalization is very important too because sometimes people don't, they just don't know what they don't know and they don't know what they need sometimes. And and I think personalization of marketing messages definitely can help with that. Yeah, and even um, sometimes I think we as credit unions or marketers, right, we we think we have to make it more complicated than it needs to be sometimes, right? So sometimes that's not the case, right? We just need to be paying attention. Yeah, totally agree. So how do we find the right balance between personalization and privacy? I look at just my own engagement with different brands, right? And how I do appreciate the convenience and personalization that that happens across multiple brands that I engage with. But I mean, it's 
definitely as a marketer been a roller coaster ride for data privacy over the last few years and the cookie lists and how do we change our strategies. So I think the right balance depends on the organization and the members or the membership that, that you're serving. What's, what's right for one organization might not be the best approach for another. I wish privacy and regulation were always crystal clear, but really, you know, as I've met with attorneys and compliance teams, right, it's uh, sometimes they see it differently. So really working with your compliance and legal teams to know where their line in the sand is, I guess, what I would say is the right balance. Yeah, I think it's such a hard thing to balance because just from my experience, like my knee-jerk reaction is when, you know, I'm talking about something with someone and then it pops up my phone later. I think that's like a little creepy, but sometimes it's helpful where like I talked about it and it reminded me that, oh, I should probably get this. So it's, it's, a, it's a hard thing to balance uh, for sure. So what are some ways credit unions can obtain and utilize first-party data? Yeah, I, you know, I think the question I ask a lot is, uh, what can you get to easily? Because sometimes what you want to get to is more complex, right? So really doing that crawl, walk, run approach to obtaining that first party data, right? Do you have a CRM system? Do you have calculators, for example, on your website? I see a lot of credit unions have calculators on their website, for example, but they're not sending that when a visitor's engaging with their calculator, they're not sending that to, whether it's a CRM system or any system um, at all, or just a form, right? Are you collecting even the most basic information from your website? Because I'm sure, well, I've seen lots of credits have lots of great ways to engage, but are you collecting that information and asking for permission? Many of our clients, another uh, way to collect and just look at different data is monitoring their their credit activity, right? And, and really putting offers out there and then collecting that information, getting that permission. We do uh, triggers, for example, average response rate 6%. Sometimes it's 3 to 14% response rates. That's an amazing response rate. And those are people that are engaging and opting in uh, to your offers and your information. So collecting that um, and just having a strategy, that crawl, walk, run strategy for obtaining first-party data. Yeah, that's interesting because that's, I guess, a new thing that I learned that like anything you put on a forum on the internet could be, you know, collected for their marketing purposes. And I, I, I like that example of even some places will ask you if you want your uh, data collected as well. So I think that's that's pretty cool. Yeah, when you do ask for that, make sure that you, you because there's so many times I engage with a brand and I say, stop messaging me or I don't want to receive these and they just ignore my, so make sure if you ask, you're going to comply with whatever you're asking. Yeah, that can get annoying sometimes. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So what are some data wins that credit unions can achieve with limited budget and bandwidth? Yeah, I, you know, I think the struggle here is um, sometimes limited budget or bandwidth is a problem, right? So you have to be able to either brainstorm internally uh, using your core system data, your online banking data, or uh, partnering with like maybe it's lending or it's branches, right? To understand what what you're really trying to achieve and um, understanding what's, again, what's easy to get, right? Because the more complicated, the more it's going to cost. Uh, the more bandwidth it's going to take. And there's just some easy wins that we can 
you know, leverage, even if it's a a simple file request and it's one time and we kind of leverage that, that one file for a really long time in our email or whatever campaigns we're running, right? So I guess that would be one example. I, you know, another example is just consider um, hiring temporary contractors. I know we're talking about limited budget, but sometimes you can get a long way on a very small budget, even going external or even hooking up with local universities and posting some of those jobs would be a couple more ideas. Uh, where should credit unions advertise as part of an omni-channel strategy? It depends on the market and the competitive landscape in that market. So really starting there and understanding who's in market, what are they advertising, how much are they advertising? Do you understand where you fit in that space? What kind of offers or pricing strategy? Really taking a look at all of those things will determine you know, where you go from an omni-channel perspective, because there are a lot of different ways. And even as consumers, right, when we engage with brands, let's say I'm going, you know, I, I want a new pool or I, you know, want to remodel my kitchen. Well, for a credit union, that's perhaps a personal loan or a home equity line of credit, for example. But understanding where the consumer is and being, we engage in all different ways, right? And the way you would obtain uh, the financing for uh, your pool might be different than mine and my journey, my consumer journey to get there and the research I do will be different. But if we understand the macro environment and who's in that space and identify any white space, we'll determine, better determine what my omni-channel strategy should be. I can tell you from doing research in tools like Pathmatics, right? Um, we have a lot of tools, Kantar, some other tools, Mintel. A lot of, when you look at banking as a whole, Facebook is is huge, right? From a paid social perspective, direct mail is huge. So I think just having an approach and being able to test it and track it, what's working for you is the question I would ask. Yeah, it almost seems like a, a numbers game where you kind of have to diversify and to really get your message out there or, or your marketing out there. So the, uh, the final question here, the contextual targeting concept has been around for a while. As times have changed, what are new implications to consider? Yeah, I mean, I think as we go cookie-less and what the <laughs> contextual has always been a tried and true way of targeting, right? People are on the page, they're looking and we're serving up ads that are relevant because that's what they're searching on. So I guess the message here, right, is what's old is new again. And so being able to find partners that can partner with you to do that um, so your message is relevant is what's new. Is there anything else that you wanted to discuss that you missed? Anything, any any final words on anything? Yeah, I, I, you know, I think the, just the theme that we're, I was seeing um, and have seen, right, as I engage with different clients and do a bunch of research around not just digital, but all channels, the omni-channel presence in the market is that staying on top of what's happening in the market and understanding where there are shifts or direction changes and, and what are my options from, from a white space perspective and how am I competing is, um, is important. And I know that that can be hard sometimes because we're trying to run the business, but um, I do think it's important to take time out and understand what's happening in your markets. 
Thanks for listening to the CUNA News Podcast. Subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Stitcher Radio. This podcast is sponsored by Veracast. Veracast is reimagining how credit unions connect with members. Veracast pushes the boundaries of data and insight into marketing solutions that create meaningful connections how, when, and where it matters. It's part of Veracast's ongoing commitment to helping credit unions do the vital work of providing financial empowerment and support to the members and communities they serve. Learn more about how Veracast celebrates and supports credit unions as they inspire hope, bring people together, and turn dreams into reality. Visit Veracast.com.